which is from Philippians 3, verses 12 through 16. Let's hear together the word of God. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Jesus Christ has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. But those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. This is the word of God. Let's respond by rising in song. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning uh, gathering us here for the gift of your word. These are words of life between us. I pray God that your spirit give us understanding, help us to see that you are the God of life uh, who is here with us now. Thank you, God, for being with us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, before I was called here at uh, Emmanuel Church for about a, a year and a half, I was uh, a stay-at-home dad. Uh, taking care of our daughter Celine, and one of the one of the beautiful things about being a stay-at-home dad is that you're able to see your child grow through many different um, milestones. And so I was able to see her go from crawling and babbling uh, to where she is now, uh, running around and climbing up and down stairs, communicating uh, more and more. And uh, there's, there's one milestone that we still are longing for her to, to accomplish, and that's to be able to acknowledge and say hi to Scott on Sundays uh, in person. Uh, but that day is definitely coming, and we'll uh, celebrate that day. Uh, and certainly the church uh, is also a living thing that grows. Um, I'm incredibly humbled here today to be, be part of this milestone in the life of Emmanuel. Uh, one of many milestones that have already taken place and something that we look forward to envisioning together more to come of God's faithfulness and his kindness uh, to us. Uh, well, the passage today that we'll consider, it, it also assumes that living things grow. Uh, the Christian life is, is not meant to be stagnant but it's, it's meant to be a journey of an intimate relationship with Jesus that, that grows with more and more intimacy over time. And so our, our passage, uh, the Apostle Paul, who's writing this letter, he shows us that Christian maturity, uh, it's marked by three different things. Uh, first, uh, Christian maturity is marked by humility, and then secondly, effort, and then lastly, being in community. So first, Christian maturity is marked by humility. Uh, starting in verse 12, he says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. Now, at the beginning of, of chapter three, just a few verses earlier, uh, Paul is telling uh, the church that his relationship with Jesus is what matters the most to him. 
It's of ultimate value. The, the righteousness that he has in Jesus is what matters most. And while the gift of being in relationship with Jesus is so amazing, Paul tells us that there is more to come. The future promise of resurrection life is what he is looking forward to. And that's why he says in verse 12, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. So Paul, he, he recognizes that there, there's something incomplete in his life right now. And I just have to wonder what the original listeners uh, were, were thinking when they heard these words from Paul. Uh, because just before our passage, Paul, he outlines his resume of accomplishments in life. He says that he was circumcised on the eighth day from the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, someone who has followed the Jewish law with precision. And so to the Jewish community, Paul, he's a rock star. And yet he tells us that what is most important is not all that he has achieved, but rather what he has received. He's been given the righteousness of Jesus. The, the God of the universe has brought Paul into the family of God, not because he deserves any of this, but because of God's love for Paul. And Paul says that there is even more to come after this. But despite what seems to be an impeccable record, Paul says that he is not perfect. So Paul knows that Christian maturity has to start with a deep humility, that we all are incomplete works in progress. But how often do we, do we live each day uh, dreading the fact that we know that we are not perfect, that we are not okay, that we don't have it all together. Isn't it true that for, for many days and for, for many of us that each day it feels like this rat race, that we're just trying to get ahead of everyone else around us? And even though we might not be at the front of the pack, we, we look to see who's behind us. And we start to think and might even say things like, at least I'm not like him. At least I'm not like her. And, and in some twisted way, that, that makes us feel better about ourselves. Paul helps us to see that the values of the kingdom of God are far different from the values of the world. Because the kingdom of God sees us for our personhood and not for our utility. It's not about how useful we are or how gifted and talented we are. God sees us as his beautiful creations, his very own children. What gets his attention is not what we've accomplished, but simply who we are. And so, through whose eyes do we see ourselves? Do we get our sense of worth from how others look at us? Or do we see ourselves through the eyes of God? God sees us for our personhood and not for our utility. The starting point of our relationship with God is that he has chosen 
us, not that we have chosen him. And so as we pursue Christian maturity, we need to start with humility. But we can't stop there because Christian maturity doesn't just happen automatically. Paul continues to tell us that secondly, Christian maturity is also marked by effort. Uh, Going back to the beginning of our passage in verse 12, he says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And so twice in in, in these verses, Paul says, I press on. There's this active and determined, focused effort while Paul's eyes are on the finish line. In verse 14, he says that I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And many scholars think that what Paul is describing here is the very completion of Jesus' work of redemption, where everything is going to be made new and will be restored. And so as Paul is exerting effort uh, towards this end goal, he's doing also two things. He says, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. And so first, he's forgetting what lies behind. So here, Paul, he's exerting effort to to not dwell on his past, whether his failures or even his accomplishments. And he can do this because he's seeing himself not through the eyes of others, but through the eyes of God. Uh, Brian Stevenson, who founded the Equal Justice Initiative, it's this organization that provides legal representation to those who have not received fair and just treatment in our justice system. Uh, He once said this, I've come to understand and to believe that each of us is more than the worst thing we've ever done. I believe that for every person on the planet. I think if somebody tells a lie, they're not just a liar. I think if somebody takes something that doesn't belong to them, they're not just a thief. I think even if you kill someone, you're not just a killer. And because of that, there's this basic human dignity that must be respected by law. And this is what it means to be seen through the eyes of God, that our past does not define who we are. Paul says to forget what lies behind. And for Paul, he had a lot of forgetting to do. We know uh, from his life that he was one of the, the prominent persecutors of the early church, persecuting Christians left and right. He wanted to obliterate the early church. But then Jesus took hold of him. And then Paul realized the depth of the wrong that he's done and also the depth of grace that he's received when the blood of Jesus has covered over his past. And so Paul, 
he can forget what lies behind because he knows that his past is not something that defines who he is. So are there things about our past that define and shape who we think we are? Have we done things in our lives that that continue to riddle us with guilt and with shame? We're not sure if there are some days where God can truly and fully accept who we are. But friends, the good news is that God is not embarrassed by any of us. That there's never a day where he regrets creating any of us. God invites us to a new life a new identity, to know that our past has been washed away by the blood of Jesus. And this is how we can forget what lies behind. And so for Paul, he's forgetting what lies behind. And he's also straining forward to what lies ahead. So Paul, he's not just sitting there and just twiddling his thumbs, uh, waiting for Jesus to, to come back. But at the same time, I don't think Paul is somebody who's trying to sprint all the way to the beginning and to the front and just leaving everyone else in the dust. His, his eyes are set on the fact that Jesus' work of redemption is definitely going to be fulfilled one day, but that is what is affecting how he views his life in the present here and now. You know, one thing that we know from all of what Paul writes in his letters is that he wasn't concerned only about what is to come, but he writes so much about encouraging the church to showcase the beauty and the wonder of the kingdom of God right now, wherever we might be. And so as as we look forward to that day, where all things will be made new, how might we offer glimpses of that world right now? How might God be, how might God be calling you to offer a sneak peek of heaven just where you are? Maybe we start seeing people more and more through the eyes of God. Maybe we, we help people forget what lies behind, reminding them that they are more than the worst thing that they've ever done. And so as we pursue Christian maturity, uh, we start with humility. We continue moving forward with effort. We forget what lies behind. We strain forward to what lies ahead, all, all the while offering glimpses and sneak previews to what is to come. But the Christian life is not meant to be lived in isolation. Uh, Paul goes on to show us, finally, that that Christian maturity is also marked by being in community. Uh, Notice how he, he groups himself with the church. He says in verse 15, let those of us who are mature think this way, And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. 
And so the Christian life is not about individual effort, but it's about the community of the church moving forward together. You know, as as accomplished and as competent as the Apostle Paul was, he sees that being in community is utterly critical and necessary to live the Christian life. There is this interdependency that Paul is highlighting where, where within the church, we really do need one another. Because on our own, we won't be able to press on every day. On our own, we might be crippled by our past, and we won't be able to move on from guilt and shame. On our own, instead of straining forward, we might just call quits and throw our hands in the air and just say, what's the point? But maybe, maybe you're here today and, and you don't need convincing that, that we can't live our lives on our own because we've been running on fumes for so long. And we, we're not sure how we can keep up, let alone trying to help the people around us. And so the thought of trying to do just one more thing even if it's towards something like Christian maturity, it, it just feels like this is too much to do right now. Uh, in, in 1992, at the Barcelona Olympics, there was a British runner by the name of Derek Redman. Uh, he competed in the 400-meter race. And in the semifinal race, just as he hits the, the halfway mark, he tears his hamstring. And he just falls to the ground in utter pain and agony. And he just sees the rest of the runners cross the finish line. After some moments of collecting himself, he he gets back up on his feet and he starts hobbling along the track, appearing as though he, he wants to finish the race. And then one official after the other come onto the track next to him, appearing as though they're trying to help him and let him know, like, hey, you can stop. But he doesn't respond to any of them. He just keeps going. And then, out of the stands, running onto the track, comes his dad. He catches up to to his son, and, and there are like these officials that are coming, coming to him as if they're saying, hey, you're not allowed on the track. And then he gives them this glare that only a parent can give, saying, you come near me or my kid and you will be done. And so they back off. Derek's dad comes along by his side, becomes his crutch, and they walk together on the track. And there's some reports that say that he said to his son, Derek, we'll do this together. We'll finish together. And that's exactly what happens. Derek, you see how he's in agony and he's in tears, but with his dad by his side, they cross the finish line together. And so friends, do you you feel like Derek these days where you're going through life with this terrible limp. 
you're tired, you're exhausted, and you just don't know how you're going to get through the day, through the week. In verse 12, Paul encourages us to press on. And there's good news because he also gives us the reason for how we can press on. He says, because Christ Jesus has made us his own. You see, Jesus is not at the, at the finish line waiting for all of us to finish. But he's right by our side, walking or running or carrying us along as we go towards that finish line. For those of us who are just limping along, Jesus isn't just going to let us run this race by ourselves, but he is right next to us. Maybe you've heard him say, we'll do this together. We'll finish together. Christ Jesus has made us his own. And so do you know what this means? Do you you know that, that Jesus, he sought us out to to rescue us. Do you know that he traveled the length of the universe to come find each of us and to make us his own? Do you know that Jesus, he rescued us from the pit of death? He brought us into new life. And do you know that there is even more in store for us to receive? Do you know that Jesus is going to rescue and redeem and restore this entire world to be made new where every broken relationship there is will be mended whole again? Instead of tears, there's going to be joy. Instead of life being taken away, there will be a world teeming with life. And do you know, friends, that this is what we press on toward? Christ Jesus has made us his own, which means that we are sons and daughters of the living God. Christ Jesus has made us his own so that we could all be a community living and running this life together and not by ourselves. We can do this arm in arm and shoulder to shoulder. And so as we move and press on, run this race, that we would, would not do this as an individual competition, but that it's, uh, it's a community effort where it doesn't matter who comes first, but what matters more is that we're doing this all together. And as we're running along, may we also invite others into this glorious and beautiful journey of growing in deeper and intimate relationship with Jesus, offering people a picture of what is to come, a world that is fully restored and renewed. And so, friends, let's continue to press on because Christ Jesus has made us his own. Amen. Would you pray with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we consider these words, God, you you know that 
we, we, are, we are frail and we can be tired and exhausted. And there are times in life where we just don't know what's, what's the point of it all. But God, your love is more than we could ever imagine. It's incredible that you would send your only son, Jesus, to be our rescuer, the one who would know that we are indeed in this pit of death. And Jesus would come to take us out, knowing full well that we were utterly helpless. But Jesus, you came, you rescued us. You, you died on our behalf. You rose again from the dead so that we could know what life is really meant to be. And so God, I pray that you would encourage us here, Emmanuel Church. God, help us to live our lives with a deep humility, knowing that we've been rescued by grace. This is a gift that has been given to us. But may we also not just simply sit and not do anything, but, but to labor so that more and more people could enjoy this gift with us. And help us to do this together, because we know that we can't do it by ourselves. And so thank you for the gift of the church to where we are not alone, and that you are with us. So God, encourage us this day, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.